All right, so if we go all the way back to the beginning, and I've just sort of pulled out one statement from each week for us to just sort of touch on. We talked in the first week about how we are a community of worshipers of God. We sort of did a deep dive into worship, but our thesis for that week was in worship, we know and experience God in real and tangible ways. That's important for us. It's actually our birthright as vineyard people. Worship has always been a hallmark and a centerpiece, a a more sort of generic way you could say it, as people of the vineyard, Whenever we get together, we will regularly worship and pray for people. If we could kind of distill it down to two primary things, we worship and we pray for people. The next week, we looked at the thought of being naturally supernatural and and said, living by the Spirit, walking in power without adding hype, manipulation, or unnecessary weirdness. We talked about, (coughs) excuse me. We talked about how all of the gifts of the Spirit are available to all believers uh, situationally and constitutionally, um, but we don't have to, you know, uh, contort ourselves into some sort of weird personality or stir up an emotional hype, but we can just be who we are, naturally supernatural, ordinary people doing extraordinary things with God. All right, then the next week... I didn't turn the corners of the pages. They're sticking together. Doing the stuff. We said we can all participate in Jesus' mission of bringing those that are near and far into the kingdom. Everybody uh, is invited to do the stuff, the stuff that Jesus did. So when we read the things that Jesus did in his ministry, we are called to continue that ministry. We are part of his body. We're going to look at that a little bit later in today's message. Then the next week, we talked about the main and the plain. Keeping the main thing, the main thing, the plain things, the plain things. And we said the main thing for us is that even in tension with our, uh, or next to our values for being spirit-led and, and all the other things that we're about that are so important to us, We must never lose sight that the gospel of the kingdom, the message of Jesus, is central to who we are as people. Uh, We talked about how John Wimber would have described us, you know, we we sort of borrow from, from two different worlds. We take the best of the evangelical tradition and the charismatic and, and sort of blend them together. But John, as I shared that week, would have said, we are primarily... evangelical with a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can never separate that out. But all of those things about the gospel, the message that Jesus came to preach, again, we we have that same message. All right, then these next two sort of went together, but we talked about everybody gets to play. In other words, anyone can do the work of the kingdom. We're all commissioned. We talked about our values for both men and women in ministry together and children. It says we're all commissioned, men, women, and children of every background. We're all invited to get to play. And we talked about how hopefully there are times and moments and seasons where it it feels like that. It will sometimes feel like work, 
But life in the Spirit can also feel like playing because it's God's work that he does through us, and we're invited to participate in that. Then the one I already referenced, equipping the saints. One of our calls as a movement is to equip people. And so uh, your spiritual diet does not consist just of what you get here on Sunday, but we're equipping you to live a lifestyle in intimacy with Jesus. And so that means part of our purpose here as a church is to equip you. And we contextualize that to say three simple things that every believer can do and should be able to do. Share your story, pray for the sick, and invite people into the kingdom. In whatever way that works with your personality, it will look a little different for all of us. Again, see, here, here's the thing. Why I might think, why are you going back and you know touching all these? Because the, the true DNA of who we are is all of these things together. They all depend on each other. And so we need them sort of in tension with each other. And so we need to share our story, but we need to do that in the power of the Spirit. We need to participate in the way Jesus wants to do that with us. Invite people into the kingdom. Okay, I'm not going to go any further on that. That brings us to this week. <coughs> I'm going to grab my water real quick. Plays well with others. Plays well with others. How many of you, uh, now I know it was probably different in every school, but in our school, at, at like the kindergarten level, you know, that's like one of the ways that I was, that I was graded. You know, because when you're in pre-K or kindergarten, you know, you do some sort of gradable assignments, but part of what the teacher is evaluating is how you're interacting with students. How are, you, how are you following teachers' instructions? There's sort of these things that they're looking for to evaluate how you're doing. And one of those is, you know, does the student work well with others? In other words, are you able to get along with those who are different than you, who might approach a problem and think about it different than you, look different than you? Are you able to still work together? And one of the things that, that we like to say before we dive into this is that, when, as we talked before about our value for diversity, it's not just for diversity's sake. It's partially that we want to reflect the beauty of the kingdom, which is very diverse. We want to reflect the beauty of our local community. But also, we believe that there is strength in diversity. Take it in the context of, of a team, whether it be uh, at church or in the business world or, or even just a family. If you have a group of any number of people uh, considering a topic or a question or a decision, you're probably uh, going to have a diversity of thoughts, a diversity of ways of approaching that topic, and you might even have a diversity of conclusions. Well, that's actually a strength, right? The diversity of thought, the way of approaching things is a strength. In other words... If I uh, wanted to assemble a team here this morning to determine what color we're going to paint the back wall, now that's a silly example, it probably wouldn't benefit me a lot, especially if it were something more serious, to go through and hand select the people that I'm pretty sure 
their input is going to be, oh, whatever you think is fine, Matthew. You know, we would call this a yes man or a yes woman. Like in the context of a team, they're just going to say yes because, well, that's what the leader wants. So we're going to say yes. But what I have learned, and this is, this is a difficult thing to do. Even I can, I want to illustrate this in Brittany and I's relationship too. But we don't need to just surround ourselves with people that look and think and act exactly like us. We need to learn to play well with others. And what I've learned is in that context, you sometimes have to, you have to give up a little. You have to be willing to consider ideas that are, are different than yours. But there's actually a strength that in that context of playing well with a diverse group of others, if you engage that process in a healthy way, you can often end up with a result that nobody in that group could have come up with on their own. And again, this plays so well with our values for listening to the Spirit. If we believe that everybody gets to play and, and God is speaking to everyone, then we can actually discern that together and in sharing our, our different thoughts and approaches with open hands, we can hopefully arrive at a conclusion, yeah, I, I think this is, this is what seems good to us in the Holy Spirit, and therefore partner with him in that process. <coughs> For Brittany and I, one of the things that we decided very early in our relationship is that when it comes to any major or or really significant decision in our life, we just uh, sort of agreed with each other. We will not move forward unless we're in agreement. So again, I, I try to use examples that aren't are too overly heavy or personal. Say, because uh, this might be a reality in my not too distant future, my pickup truck has 239,000 miles on it. Maybe one or two things have fallen off of it in the last couple of weeks. So one could reasonably predict it, buying a vehicle might not be too far out in my future. Okay, so let's say I see a vehicle on the lot, and yeah, that's, that's the one I want. And I go home and I talk to Brittany about it because, again, we don't, we don't, part of this is we don't just do things on our own. If it's a major financial decision, we make those decisions together in partnership. And so I go home and tell you, hey, Hannah, I, I saw this truck, and it's the model that I want, and so on and so forth, but there's only one problem. It's about, you know, $2,500 more than we had planned a budget for this purchase. So we're probably going to have a discussion about, well, you know, if there are things that we can shift and move around. Can we make that work, or is that, is that, a, is that a not now thing? Well, my, my point is not what the decision ends up being. My point is, if we don't agree... Neither one of us are going to move forward in, until we do. And we've just made that decision up front. I'm not going to, you know, <clears throat> rear up and say, you know, well, it, it's, it's my truck, I'm, you know, and I'm, this is the one I want, and I'm just going to get it. That's not playing well with others. And that's not how our relationship, now, I, I, I'm trying to, this is how our relationship works. I'm not imposing that your relationship has to work like this. But we've made that agreement together that we won't move forward until we're in unity. And, and the last thing I want to say about this before I move on is that I have seen time and time again, I could give you other examples, that when we submit to each other and when we wait, when we, and the times when we're not in agreement, when we wait, 
if we wait long enough, if we pray, we talk to each other, if we practice having open hands with a decision, one way or the other, the Lord will bring us around. One or the other or both of us to a place where we can get in unity. And oftentimes, uh, the truck's maybe not a good example for this, but oftentimes it's, it's not... Choice A that I thought was it, or choice B that she thought was it, oftentimes it's it's C. It's something in the middle that we've discerned together in the context of relationship that we're able to move forward. And how many of you know there's a lot more peace in your relationship when you arrive at a decision together and you feel confident and supported and you're not having to defend yourself because you made the decision together? Okay. This is not a marriage talk. This is not a relationship talk. So I'm just going to leave that for what it is. I want to look at this quote from John Wimber because this is where we're going today. John, and you've heard me sort of use this analogy before. John would say, I love the whole church. Vineyard is just one vegetable in the stew. And you've heard me talk about that. If we think of that analogy of of the church worldwide, the church universal, as one big pot of stew, we're, we're not the pot. <clears throat> we're not <coughs> necessarily even the main ingredient. We are one vegetable. Now, our one vegetable brings a unique flavor. Like So that's why it's okay for us to label who we are and, and mine out our values and, and discover those things so we can be who we are. You know, if, if we're the stewed tomato... We, we can be the best stewed tomato in the stew, but we can't try to be a carrot, nor should we, nor should we. And so it's important that we understand two things out of that. One, that it's okay to have a, a unique flavor and calling and identity, but we also have to realize that's always in the context of something that's larger than just us. We are members of a body. Now, to go into sort of a, a theology direction for a minute, uh, if anybody's interested in reading it, I, I have a copy. It's about this thick. Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology is where I pull this definition for what is the church. And Grudem would say the church is the community of all believers for all time. And we've, we've talked about this maybe once or twice before. But, you know, when we're saying the church now... We are a local church. We say that all the time. We're a local body. We're, but again, in the same way that you are a member of this local body that is a church, we are a member of the, church, the worldwide church, the historic and global church. And that, that extends to all believers. And we're not going to focus on that part, but it's like, you know, uh, times past and times future. All those uh, who are believers in Jesus Christ. Okay, so with that understanding, let's jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, I'll have these couple of verses on the screen for you, but if you want to follow along, I'll be in the New Living Translation. First Corinthians 12, uh, verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Going on to verse 13, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. 
we are part. We are the body, not, not just the body in the sense of this church, but we are the body of Christ. And we need to think of ourselves as believers primarily in, in those terms. Now, there's nothing wrong. Matter of fact, I would say it's encouraged. <coughs> I don't think I had coughed once before 10 minutes ago. <laughs> it's not fun. We need to think of ourselves primarily as members of the body. Now, as I said, it's encouraged. The Bible also tells us don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I think there's scriptural support and a huge value for being part of a vibrant local expression of the body. But we need to remember, we're not it. We are an expression of the body of Christ, of which we are members with brothers and sisters all over the globe. We are a part of the global and the historic church. Now, when we start thinking about playing well with others, yes, we could contextualize that in how we relate to each other within this local body. But part of what I think uh, Wimber set out to do, and, and, and maybe you don't know this piece of the history, but you know, it, it was not uh, Wimber's ambition to start a denomination. John Wimber's primary ministry initially was a renewal ministry to the broader church. What God uh, released and, and did through John and his ministry and his teams was for the church. As a matter of fact, I, I've heard multiple stories of times when John would travel to some part of the world and they would do conferences and meetings and, and things would happen because he was stewarding a gift that the Lord had released and he was taking that to the church as the Lord led. And there would often be uh, those that would sort of, sort of, sort of clamor, well, how, how, how can we become, you know, a vineyard? We, we want to join up. We want to be a, a, a vineyard church. And, and I've been told that oftentimes John was, was resistant to that. You, you stay who you are. You know, because our ambition is not just to build. Now, I, I love that we have a movement and a denomination, but that wasn't John's primary thing. That was something that the Lord did over time because it sort of became inevitable. There were so many people coming his way, identifying with this set of values and practices that it became inevitable. But I, I, it's just important that we remember our roots and our foundation was always bringing a gift that the Lord had released to the broader church. It was never about us. It was never about us in the same way for you as individuals. When the Lord bestows you with a gift, it's for the benefit of others. We use that analogy of, of being a conduit, of allowing God's blessings to flow through you, his gifts to flow through you. And, and you receive in that because it flows through you, but the purpose of it is for others. I, I often heard it said, uh, as it relates to doing the stuff, practicing healing and prayer and deliverance and all, all the things that, that we, we want to have as our practice as spirit-filled believers, if you should find yourself in a, a time or a season where those things don't seem to be to be flowing, and maybe you're, you're trying to lean towards it, but... 
You're just not seeing it. And you're saying, Lord, there's, there's, there's more. I would suggest, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at myself too, perhaps sometimes we need to go to the places where there's more need. We need to actually move towards a place that might be a little darker because God's heart of compassion will, will flow. He, he's so adamant about reaching his kids and those that are far from him. That I, I have just seen time and time again, when we step into those places that other people are not willing to step with this idea, because, you know, it's easy here when we're gathered. And we love it when God comes and, and, and does stuff and, and we experience healing or, or freedom or, or God touches us or moves in some uh, certain way. But for most of us, we often feel like, well, we have our lives pretty put together. But there are those that we have within our spheres of influence that are in much darker places. And I just am convinced that if we carry the light of the gospel into the darkness, Jesus will back it up. He will distribute those gifts when you allow his compassion to flow through your heart. When you begin to see those people that are in dark and desperate places and ask him, Lord, I see this need. Would, would you use me? Would you give me your gifts? Because again, now our American culture maybe has messed this up. We think of gifts. We think of, of Christmas. You know, I get, I get lots of gifts. I get presents. I get things that I've asked for, things that I want, maybe some things that I need. How many of you got socks too many times as a kid and just wasn't real excited about that? Right? <coughs> I'm at an age now where sometimes new socks is kind of exciting. But. but how many times do you receive a gift in, in the natural sense? You, you get a Christmas present, and you're thinking about how that brings joy to others. We, we, and let's be honest. We, it, it's, we think it's for us. Well, in the kingdom, the gifts that we give, that we get, are for others. And two different ways that this value for plays well with others gets contextualized. One is that we need to recognize, as part of the historic and global church, of which there are many other expressions in our local community and around the globe, they are also part of that same body. And so we need to be willing uh, to cooperate with, partner with, play with, in doing the kingdom stuff, other local expressions of his body. We need to realize that even though we have a unique flavor and a unique call, it takes all kinds of churches, all kinds of people to reach all kinds of people. And we need to be willing to partner together. That also means in the situation or the, the context of ministering to someone, you're not always going to have the benefit of ministering to someone that carries your same worldview. And that's never an excuse to not minister to that person. We need to be willing to play with others. And we're in a situation where we're praying for someone or we're ministering to someone 
and they sort of share things that are just like off the wall. Where did you get that idea or that that belief? It can be a distraction of the enemy. We need to be willing to play with others, be open be secure enough in our own convictions and beliefs, and also willing to let other people have their own journey. Right? Because we tell you all the time, when it comes to ministering to people, the most important thing is that they see, feel seen and loved. We're inviting the fullness of the kingdom to come. We're partnering with Jesus to see circumstances changed. But we can't do that without love. We need to love people. And, and part of what that means is that I have to be willing to accept wherever they're at on that spiritual journey. Not expecting them to be in the same place I'm at and being okay with sometimes they might actually be farther along than me, but that doesn't mean I can't, I can't minister. I can't, um, connect with them in that way. We need to love the whole church and we need to realize that again, we are part of the body. And just in the same way that in the local context, each person has different gifts and different functions that together make the body work. The same is true in the larger context. Vineyard is unique. We like to say, we, the list that I showed you on that resource, are distinctives. And I, I love that it's the word distinctives because, again, we're not saying, these are the reasons why we're better. Or these are the things that we've got figured out. We're simply saying these are the things that are distinct. These are the things that we value, that are important to us about how we practice our walk with Jesus. Right? Because we can get, and and I'll give you a clue, we don't, but we can try to get all of our theologies just right. We can try to make sure we have right beliefs about all the right things so we can check all the boxes to feel good about ourselves. But I think sometimes we forget about the practices. What does it mean to be a believer in the body of Christ? And yes, as I've told you before, if we're going to have theology, we should have good theology. We should have uh, scholarship and, and careful interpretation and good hermeneutical practices. I'm not devaluing that at all. But it's an incomplete picture if it doesn't translate into the practices of the believers in the body. It's practical. It makes a difference. Yes, right beliefs, but right practices. Allowing Jesus to lead you in the way you live your life. As, as I say all the time, it's a totally different way of life. It's the Jesus way. It's not just a moral code. It's not just a set of biblical instructions. It's the Jesus way. And the more we realize that, the more we're going to be able to cooperate and appreciate the larger body of Christ. May we, as vineyard people, never fall into to sort of tri- tribalism. You know, that it, that it becomes denomination above, above everything else. And, and I know for some this is difficult because now we've been in a series now for eight weeks called We Are Vineyard. And they, well, you know, because that's all about, it, it's, again, it's not labeling our identity 
is not a statement that we think that we're better or have it figured out. As a matter of fact, I'll go so far as to say there's probably a lot we don't have figured out. Uh, we joke every once in a while, it's like, you know, somebody will be sort of coming our direction and be like, well, you know, we're vineyard, we'll, we'll take anybody. We'll take, because we recognize that we're not a group of superstar elite, uh, you know, precisely theologically correct people in every area that have it all figured out and buttoned up and, and we have nothing left to learn. No, actually, we try to take a posture that, yes, we want to know who we are. We want to label things. But in many ways, we're just a ragtag bunch of people trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. As Wimber often said of himself, he was just a fat man trying to get to heaven. You know, now, I, 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 I could put that label on, but I'm not going to. I, I'm actually on, an, on a... Pray for me. I'm on a, I'm at the very beginning stages of, of a health journey to actually not be such a fat man, but still on my way to heaven. One of the things that I, I like to say about this is that it's really important that while we take the message and ministry and practices of Jesus really seriously, we should never take ourselves too seriously. You know, and, and again, this, this meshes perfectly with our other values because that opens the door that everybody really does get to play. You don't have to figure it out and get yourself cleaned up and, and go check all of these boxes and then you can come play with, play with your toys in our sandbox. You can just come. You can just come. Just as we talked about last week, come as you are. Bring what you've got. Come to the sandbox. We'll all play together. We'll all learn how to love each other. And we'll let Jesus be the one that changes us and transforms us. All right. One more quick thing before I wrap up and we move back to worship. I just couldn't quite leave this series uh, we are vineyard without touching on um, another thing from our roots. If you would turn with me to Isaiah 27, we'll look at verses two and three, and I'll have these on the screen. It says, "In that day, sing about the fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, will watch over it, watering it carefully." Day and night I will watch it so no one can harm it. This uh, verse and, and the scriptures surrounding it is uh, where I believe the Lord gave prophetically the initial group of people the name Vineyard. And, I, and I've told you before, Vineyard was not a man-made concept. It was not a group of people that got together and said, we should have a new denomination and this is a cool, catchy name. It was God-initiated. It was God's idea. And I believe that he gave them this scripture because he was saying he is taking responsibility. Now, is that, is that freeing for anybody else? Because you can contextualize that for us locally, too. The Lord says, it's my vineyard, and I'll take care of it. I'll water it. I'll look after it. I'll protect it. The Lord told me a long time ago, 
in relationship to ministry. Many of you know my journey with being involved with church planning and different things. And Early in my journey, uh, and now I'm not saying that this is bad, but if you don't hold it in tension with other things, it, it can be a pitfall. I read every book that was printed on church planning and how to do church and how to strategize, how to like, I mean, I dove deep into that that world. And, and, there are, and there are skills. I mean, there are specific skills to church planning that are different than just pastoring, right? But in the midst of that process and being involved with some of the ministries over the years, the Lord came to me one time and we were praying and thinking about the, the next thing that we were going to do. And, and we were, at the time, were convinced that we were ready to step out and, and we were going to plant a brand new church, a brand new local expression of the body. And if you know me very well, you know I'm a strategizer and I'm a planner and those can be strengths. But it changed in that day how I looked at things because the Lord came to me and said, if you build it with your strategy, you will have to sustain it. You'll always having to be going the next step. You'll have to be out doing what you did last time. You'll have to have bigger strategy. Now, I hesitate to say this, but I'm not calling anybody out specifically. Have you ever seen the, the people, you know, this Sunday is going to be, you know, the best thing ever. And it's like, you do that so many times. like, how, how far can we go? How many times can we top what happened last week? And how exhausting is that? So, so freeing to me because the Lord said, if I build it, I will sustain it. And so that's one of the things that affects how we do things around here is that we're not trying to be cooler than we were last week. We're not trying to, to hype things up and, 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 and just get you excited about the things that we're saying and doing. We're simply trying to say the Lord is building his church and we get to, emphasis, get to be a part of it. And so we have no excuse not to play well with all the others that are doing the same thing. Because we're all on the same team. I love this verse in Isaiah. Because the other thing that it points out, and again, this is true of us as a movement as well as us here locally. The Lord has given the vineyard a gift to steward for the benefit of the whole church. And rather than getting puffed up and thinking, we've got something that nobody else has got. No, if anything, it should actually give us a dose of humility in realizing that means the Lord has entrusted us with something that his kids need. And it's our solemn responsibility to learn to understand what that is and how to serve the bride of Christ, his church universal in the ways that we do things. The Lord has given us a gift to steward, and it's not for us. It's for others.